Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. It's not always black and white. There's always a gray area and there's always opportunity to problem solve and find different solutions that you can to a problem. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. My name is Rajasi Joshi. I'm a tech consultant at Deloitte. I studied math in college and I never imagined I'll end up in tech industry working for Deloitte. We're constantly presented with new and exciting challenges and I'm constantly using my analytical and problem solving skills to design and implement innovative technology solutions to drive better outcomes for my clients. Believe in yourself and surround yourself with people who believe in you. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Command Line Heroes is an original, highly produced, award-winning podcast about the people who transform technology from the command line up, presented by Red Hat. And this is not a technical show. This is a show anyone can enjoy, featuring experts from across the industry. Season four is airing now, so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and stick around to the end of the show to hear a sneak preview of the brand new season. Resource time. So I was talking to someone in the community and I'm going to actually tell you who they are because that would not be fair if I didn't tell you. So if it's from Gracely, Rocio at Gracely. So it's G-R-A-C-E dot L-Y is her company. And she was telling me about this site called Academium, A-C-A. D-I-U-M. I don't know if you guys have heard of it before, but oh my gosh, it's for digital marketing interns. And it's structured in a way that is just like really elevated the internship game. So obviously when you're an intern, you want to have the work experience to know, you know, what it's like to work and to get like real life experience. And then when you're growing a tech company in a startup, there's always a need to have like the additional hands on deck to get things done. Right. And so. Acadium looks really, really cool. So I suggest you guys check it out. I've been checking it out. The URL is acadium.com. And um, yeah, I, I have an affiliate link if you want 50 bucks off. You know what? I'll include it in the show notes if you guys want that or just go to the site directly. But yeah, it's really cool. But uh, enjoy the next episode. Okay, bye. Hope that helps. Celebrating women in tech.
Tech around the world. So excited to be here in Toronto, Canada. And this interview is exciting because this interview comes from Lithuania all the way to Toronto. I was able to meet with people at NanoPay in Lithuania. And because of that, I am in Toronto, Canada now, and I get to feature our next woman in tech. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Of course. Okay. So Jackie, go ahead, introduce yourself formally. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, My name is Jackie Reynolds and I'm the head of regulatory compliance here at NanoPay. And I've been in this role for just about over a year. And as I mentioned before we started rolling, I thought it was really cool when your teammate Christy showed me how working in compliance is very much a part of the tech world. Can you educate everybody as well? Yeah, it's a pretty funny story. And it's something that I've been battling since my whole career in compliance when I started this journey back in 2004. And a lot of people, when they think of the financial industry and everything, they think of the archaic banks, right? And they think of, you know, everyone in suits and these buildings and just pushing paper and gray clouds and just you know, where dreams go to die, basically, but they still seem to be churning out all this money. But that's where the tech industry has come out and companies have built themselves offering alternatives to the large institution of banks. And when they think they're offering these alternatives to other typical banking solutions, they typically don't internalize that regulations may not apply to them, right? So they think, well, I'm offering alternative solution. I'm not formally regulated as a bank. You know, these rules and regulations don't apply. That may be true up to a point. However, regulations apply in all aspects of business of what you're doing. So for us at NanoPay, it's financial regulatory compliance that we have to mostly be concerned about. But for a lot of techs, it comes out in privacy with GDPR. Um, Also, I know California is coming out with the new privacy regulations and things like that. There's been a lot of privacy breaches and everything that have come out and cybersecurity incidents. So it's very important that, you know, when you think of a tech industry, yes, you want to be transformed and you want to push the status quo, but you also need to make sure you're doing it in a balanced way and you're staying kind of within the proverbial lines to ensure that level of security and risk management. And tell us all about NanoPay. It's interesting because there's a constant struggle where NanoPay is at because if you talk to Lawrence, you know, he has this grand goal of being... Tell us who Lawrence is. Lawrence Cook is our CEO and founder of NanoPay. And he's actually one of the reasons why I joined the company. I was really inspired about his vision and the vision is to kind of changed the status quo when it comes to banking and when it comes to money movement. So one of our big end goals is to be the digital currency provider for central banks. And, you know, this is a concept that was starting to kind of take grounds in uh, many other regions, but in Canada, it's still something is a fairly new concept. And, you know, it's refreshing because I used to work at one of the big five banks in Canada. And when I was talking about moving into this industry, a lot of them laughed and basically said, oh, we'll buy you. And they get complaints you know, because they're such a large engine. They want to change, but to move that pendulum is a very, very long and tedious journey. So when starting out of fintech, you're starting from scratch, you can have that ability to kind of transform and change quite frequently and, and quickly. And also having the backing of our technology team, you're more nimble and able to do things. However, the caveat to that is that you need to make sure that the regulatory environment and the government environment is all ready to embrace that. And that's what the challenge comes in with NanoPay is that, you know, wanting to be a trailblazer, you want to lobby and you want to allow for 
the banking and regulatory environment to grow. However, when you're dealing with, you know, regulatory institutions and government institutions and you're dealing with politicians and everything, it just, it takes time. So this is a very unique role that I'm in right now because we want to be forward looking and we want to develop products that kind of support the needs of the community, but you also need to do it in a balanced way that meets the sometimes archaic regulations that are out there right now. I mean, I just think that your particular role, for me, because I have no experience in it, seems so daunting. It's so much to know, and your role is so important to the company as a whole being able to move forward and the technology being able to be built in the right way so everybody's happy across the board and there's not any problems. Where do you get started? Where was step number one to entering on this professional path? Was it in school? Was it out of school? Yeah, Let's- so it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, I, my background's a Bachelor of Commerce in Finance. I always knew I wanted to be in banking and in the financial industry. And um, it was more of an opportunity came out when I was being recruited for a position at a company. And I was attracted to kind of what that company was doing. It was a small financial institution in Canada. Um, there was only maybe about 50 people in the office. They had a U.S. Uh, component. So it was very kind of startup and um, exciting. And I basically was like, I want to work there. So I was like, I'll take any job that you're going to give me. And the job they provided to me was uh, in compliance. So I was actually the first compliance person that was starting within that company when I joined back in 2004. And they had the majority of their compliance base in the U.S. and they eventually moved it all forward. So I learned the role of compliance in-house. I learned it from the lawyer there and just through my experience. And I did that for four years and kind of had a personal what am I doing moment is compliance really the career path that I want to take. And I tried some other roles within the company to experience other positions and things. And I realized I kept going back to it. And the reason why I found compliance so interesting is that it's not always black and white. There's always a gray area and there's always opportunity to problem solve and find different solutions that you can to to a problem. I never want to be in a position where I'm just saying no. I want to work with the business to uncover and find different areas that we can work around to find an alternative solution. And uh, it was exciting for me because it wasn't really just this kind of black and white. You kind of put in your nine to five job doing the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. It was constant change. The other thing is the regulations are constantly changing and the environment's constantly changing. And it was kind of refreshing to see also, too, that um, we are moving in a more digital direction. You know, Mm -hmm. we are moving in a more tech friendly direction, but it, you know, it takes time. I remember when I was out of that institution, FinTrack, who regulates our AML here, they were looking to enhance their AML regulations. And one of the things was they were looking to do discount non-face-to-face verification. And so they wanted to move everything to kind of a brick and mortar that you had to validate somebody's identity face-to-face. And so what happened is a lot of model line issuers in Canada actually had to create a sub-lobbying group to lobby for a non-face-to-face because they would have basically shut them down because they didn't have that ability. And fast forward now to over 10 years, and FinTrack just came out and released the fact that you can validate somebody's ID based off of somebody taking a selfie and comparing it with a driver's license. So crazy. And it's crazy. But it had to be pushed and discussed. And so uh, Lawrence Cook actually is the chairman and organizer of Paytex, um, which is also another group that's in Canada that's looking to kind of push how payments are considered in Mm -hmm. Canada. And that's one of the main things you kind of have to do is that 
you need to kind of push the pendulum, but you need to get a group and a collective voice out to do that. So I found just through my journey, through that initial company supporting, and I also supported another kind of startup and then moved into the corporate, I guess, the what you call is the um, big five institution right. experience. That was a great experience to get an understanding for how a large corporation works and how a global corporation works, but it also reaffirmed that I preferred to be in a smaller kind of tech atmosphere. I always wanted to be in fintech. And so I took a job in a larger financial institution because I knew in the Canada world, in Toronto, in the marketplace, it just wasn't ready yet. And that's the one thing that's really interesting. And I'm seeing this across is that, you know, there's this kind of level where some companies, you know, don't think that it's really necessary for them until maybe it's too late or they're, they're kind of told that they need to have it. And so I've been looking out for this opportunity for quite a while. And I'm so thankful that um, it came up with NanoPay because I know there's value in smaller institutions kind of trailblazing and changing the status quo. But the thing is, it takes a while. So like, that's the other thing I would say is just not to keep looking out for those opportunities and push for them because it'll come. How many people are on the NanoPay team? I think 65. And so for you, 65 is still startup for you? Like when you say I wanted to be in a more startup-esque, like what does that what does that word mean to you? Yeah, so you're right. I think what it is, it's more of just kind of being building, building it out, right? Mm. So yes, for others, 65 people may seem it's it's quite a bit, but my No, I think I, I think 65 is totally oh. startup as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't going there. No, I'm just saying I think it's interesting because like we were talking about before we started rolling that, you know, the definition of women in tech, sometimes people think it's only engineers. And, and I love to share the story how it's not only engineers. It, there's a lot of different faucets to what it is to be a woman in tech. And I think that's the same thing of like, what is it to be a startup? There's like so many different, I yeah. mean, some people still call Google a startup. You know? Yeah. yeah. So um, no, but I like what you shared that for you, a startup is where you still have this, like, it's still a phase of the company where you get to innovate and create in a very robust role. It's not just like a, a cherry on top layer. You're creating a fundamental pieces of how this company will operate in the future. Yes. Am I understanding correctly? No, exactly. And and the, one of the main components too with this position is not only being there to ensure our consumers and we're operating in a capacity that is meeting the requirements with our consumers, but we have partners, we have investors, you know, we have accountability to our banking relationships, partner relationships as well. And they need to have a level of assurance and confidence that we are operating in a capacity that is compliant, not only for the consumer, but also internally as a business. One of the greatest successes that I get internally with this job is knowing that we're keeping those relationships on good terms and happy. Talking about what is it to be a startup, we've actually never talked about that on the show, and I, I just love your definition of it. We were also talking about before, as I mentioned, what it is to be a woman in tech. How would you define Define being a woman in tech? Yeah, it's it's a tough question because I think I deem it as woman tech, but I also consider as a woman just in any any type of professional job because it's constantly a challenge of things that we need to manage. We were talking about this outside of the interview, but I have two daughters that have both had had special needs at some point in their life and trying to kind of juggle that and manage that in the setting can be very difficult. And I think the one thing about being women in tech too, which can make it quite challenging, and I'm lucky that we don't have this situation here at NanoPay, but it could be the grueling hours and you constantly mm. have to work and work and then it can really take a toll on your personal life. Yeah. And I think from women, we sometimes internalize, especially with having young families and everything like that, trying to manage it all can be quite cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
and just ensuring that you have that internal support. And I believe that we have that strong internal support here at Nanopay, so which makes it very, very unique. Yeah, and you're so right that that is very much a part of our culture as a tech community. And it's great to hear that Nanopay prioritizes having a life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I came across, I was looking on something the other day and they were showcasing like a work desk that you could put like a napping. Stop. Like, yeah, I, need, I need that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if I ever got to that point, I think I would probably, you know, just shut down. And, and not a napping for children, right? It's a no. napping for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's napping. Because <laughs> like, so I funny. know, because you think even like from the coding side of things, even just like the direct tech, right? Because like it can be very intensive and, and and long hours. Yeah. There's a couple questions I'd love to ask before we start to wrap up. One is, what is a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome in your career and how did you overcome it? In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But... Have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices? What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. I'm Saranyat Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast and keep on coding. Season four is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. What is a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome in your career and how did you overcome it? So I think the biggest obstacle I've ever had to go through is just kind of being confident to stand my ground and prove a point. So the one thing within compliance, you know, people will come in and they think they can do things a certain way. I've actually once literally been walked into a corner with a group of people at work because I've told them that we couldn't do something a certain way and we had to do it something else. And I was actually physically walked into a corner because they're just more inquisitive of why we couldn't do it. And they kept moving forward as I moved back. So, you know, you're constantly being put in a position where you are giving answers to people around you that they may not want to hear. And that's definitely been a challenge for me. I personally am not somebody that likes handling conflict very well. I'm more of like wanting everyone to get along. However, in this position, you do need to give those tough answers. And I find throughout my career, because I've been in this for over 15 years now, I've been able to kind of create that thicker skin to be able to kind of manage those relationships appropriately. But the other reason why I've been so successful with that is I make sure to build personal relationships with everybody in the office Mm. as well to kind of balance kind of the work and also combative nature that could be in this role. But I I would say that's probably been one of the most challenging things because um, your knee-jerk reaction is just to back down and be like, okay, but sometimes in this role, it's you can't. It's really powerful that you were able to learn from those opportunities, but then find a company like NanoPay now where they really prioritize culture and you don't have to deal with that kind of inter that combative interaction every day. Yeah, and the one great thing about Lawrence Cook and the leadership team, they really drill down the need for us, um, you know, us being in this regulated environment that is very important to respect and understand kind of the boundaries that we have to operate in. And so that's something that I really appreciate here. I mean, if it wasn't for Lawrence and his excitement and even empowering women in tech, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's really cool. I'm learning right now what it 
it is to set boundaries, which I know is completely different when you're talking about compliance, but still in the um, genre of just communicating what you need to communicate and standing by it. I mean, it's just hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite funny because they kind of joke with me. They're like, Jackie, you're so detailed. You always write all these detailed emails because obviously in the tech world and fintech world, everybody is on slacks and messages are having a conversation, but there's a reason. There's a reason why I'm detailed because when you're balancing kind of like your regulatory obligations or certain decisions you need to make, you need to be um, very thoughtful and thorough about it. And that's also good from a record keeping and educational perspective because I found that um, when and others see this in the company, they also see the benefits of it. And so they may also internalize that there's value in terms of structuring your answers or kind of documenting things because as a startup kind of grows and evolves, that's when those types of uh, skills will be very important. And another question I like to ask is what is your best piece of advice that you've gotten in business or to like accelerate forward? The best piece of advice I got, and this is actually something I got when I was working at one of the big five banks because it rang true there, but I also think it can apply anywhere else, is that you cannot boil the ocean. Ooh, you cannot boil the ocean. I love that. Yeah. You cannot boil the ocean. So, you know, if you think you have a large task and there's something that you need to do or you feel like you're spreading yourself thin, you're not going to achieve anything. You need to kind of find your cup of water and focus on that and then pour another one. But Wow. I feel like I need to remember that more often. (laughs) You can't boil the... I'm like, wait, you can't? (laughs) And um, where can people connect with you? Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn, And can you spell your name for everybody so they can find you easily? Yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn at Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E, Reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. Perfect. Jackie, thank you so much for connecting with the Women in Tech podcast. Last question is, what is your favorite tech tool? Hardware, software, mobile app, any of them? Uh, I love Slack and I love how I can use gifts in it. (laughs) (laughs) Gifts are a great way to express. As I was just talking about, we need long structured emails and, you know, thoughts. Sometimes just sending a gift just means it all. So I just love that ability (laughs) at work. Love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. If you want to connect and collaborate with more women in tech around the world, remember, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. It takes you straight there. And say hello on social at Women in Tech show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. I'm Jackie Reynolds with Nanopay. I'm head of regulatory compliance. We are looking to trailblaze the way digital payments are made in Canada and across the world. We are currently based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and you're listening to Women in Tech. I'd like to tell you about an all-new season of Command Line Heroes, a podcast presented by Red Hat. No one ever said hardware was easy. In Season 4, Command Line Heroes is telling seven special stories about people and teams who dared to change the rules of hardware and, in the process, changed how we all interact with technology. In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But... Have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices and what it took to get here? There was this blue box on a table and he said, well, here it is. I said, well, what is it? He said, it's a microcomputer. What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. 
These machines, they revolutionized our lives and blew the doors open to what was possible. How many people here had a computer versus how many people intended to get one? Only one or two people actually had them. And they would bring them to the club meeting. What are you going to do with it? And nobody had an answer. The key thing about timesharing was that the computer needed some way of being able to sort of stop its own clock. The uh, creators of the floppy drives are not household names by any means. If it wasn't for that, PCs would have been adopted much more slowly. This January 28th, we launched season four of Command Line Heroes, an original podcast for Red Hat. And this season, it's all about the hardware. We'll hear the stories behind some iconic machines and the people who dared to create them. I was the kid that always took things apart, took my older sister's toys apart. This is just another bag on the side of the eclipse, a skin job. Nope, this is a whole new machine. The process of passing the tapes around and encouraging and building upon each other's results is really what made the personal computer industry. We're exploring mini computers, mainframes, the first personal computers, floppies, early smartphones, and game consoles. And we're also going to hear how the community ethos that drove those early hardware heroes to build those machines still exists today in the open source hardware movement. The values of sharing are still there. I mean, it's in the entire open source community. The machine, in a way, was kind of a bit character. It was the people who were the real guts of what it was about. I'm Saranya Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast. And keep on coding. So thank you, and uh, eat your sandwiches. Season 4 is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.